Hey, everybody, and welcome to The Locally Sourced. Happy New Year. This is a brand new episode for a brand new year. And this episode, I think you're all really going to like. In fact, this episode is one of the one of the small businesses that I do support. It might not be Massachusetts, but is it, it is in one of my other favorite M states out in Michigan. So without further ado, I have Claire today, Claire Smith, who is a solopreneur in the think tank behind Tefola. And she is based out of Addison, Michigan, and it was truly inspired by the magnificent pairing of Tef Grain and Granola, also, which evidently was turned into Tefola. Yum! What started out as a small passion project turned into a new, uncharted, popular journey that opened many new doors. Claire and her team stand, stand behind and support bold ideas and brave action. She fully believes in appreciating and approaching food with intention and mindfulness. So be sure to head over to the Tefola Instagram to learn more. Welcome to the Locally Source, Claire. Good to have you. Oh my goodness, Julia, that was like the best intro ever. I know I'm probably not supposed to like speak. <laughs> anyway, that was like so, so touching. Oh my goodness, for all you listeners out there. Oh my goodness. That's like a good intro just like makes the difference. So thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to get into this. Um, Yes. Anyway. Okay. Thank you. Gosh, I'm so excited. (laughs) I'm so glad you're here. So let's, let's get right into it. Let's get right into the nitty gritty. Let's get right into the deep. Let's get into your story, how you got started and where you see this going, where you thought it was going to go plot twist, the exits, the detours, all of it, the blood, sweat, and tears, as we discussed earlier. And just like, I want to hear about your passion. Our listeners want to hear about your passion, your excitement behind it. I've known you for well over a year. And, you know, it's just like every time I see a new post or even just talking to you over Zoom, it's just something else that you're always excited. You're one step ahead of the game. (laughs) Uh, That means a lot to me because I feel like I'm constantly playing catch up and um, I constantly feel like I'm making mistakes. And that's good because it means that I am constantly learning. Um, So to start, I'll just start at the beginning of kind of who we are and how we came to be. So I am the seventh generation of a long line of corn and soybean farmers in Southern Michigan. And it wasn't until about, uh, gosh, eight years ago now that my dad started looking at the cash crop landscape. So we grow cash crops on our farm. And for our area, that means corn, wheat, and soybeans. And those were grown for livestock purposes, so not human food. So he was looking at the landscape and kind of figuring out, well, you know, corn, wheat, and soybeans, you know, lasted the farm close to 200 years, but will it really sustain the farm for another 200? And he didn't think that was the case. So he started looking into alternative grains and seeds. And Mm -hmm. the first grain that he started to grow was called teff, like T-E-F-F. And it's native to Ethiopia, gluten-free, non-GMO, high in protein and fiber, really nutty in flavor. And he had no idea what it was, but (laughs) took a gamble. And the first year of growing it, which was in 2015, he planted 33 acres of it, which is about 25 football fields. So Wow. That's how we got from the farm. And I know that's a lot in like five sentences, but we're pivoting from these corn and soybeans to these alternative grains and seeds into more people food. So Mm -hmm. where I come into play is 
when he was kind of deciding all this, I was actually living in Western Canada and we can talk about how I got there, but he and my mom came out to visit and said, Hey, there's this opportunity that, uh, we want to share with you. And there's this new grain that we're growing. We don't know what it could be. We really don't know anything about it. We don't even know if it'll work, but Mm -hmm. if you want to come back and try something with it, you are more than welcome to And it, you know, it could be fun. You know, you might start a consulting business. You might do this, you might do that. And so it was truly a very open-ended, you know, to me, it felt like there was no risk because it was just trying something. So Mm -hmm. I moved back to the States and started working with TEF and we, our, our initial idea was to mill the TEF into flour and then sell it to Ethiopians who use it to make their bread, which is called injera. And we started that way. So we found, we figured out how to grow it. We figured out how to harvest it and get it cleaned and then get it milled, all of which is very difficult because very few people are even familiar with TEF. Right. And I got us onto Amazon, which took a long time. <laughs> um, and this was even like six years ago. It was so difficult back then as well. And we were packaging it in like two and five pound bags and naive Claire back then was like, Oh, like we'll target the foodies. It'll be great. I had no idea what I was doing anyway. So (laughs) we didn't see a ton of traction there. Like I knew that this was, you know, quote a new grain for people in the Western hemisphere. So they were being introduced to this new grain and I knew how great it was, but Mm -hmm. I really needed to find a way to introduce it in an easy, like accessible and familiar way. So I started playing with the teff grain in my kitchen and I made quick bread. I made, I think muffins, like a muffin mix. I was trying to make a muffin mix. And then I made these like accidentally alcoholic energy bites. Oh snap. (laughs) I know I sent them to my aunt and I'm like, Hey, what do you think of the energy bites? Like, I'm going to call them teffles. I can't wait to sell them. And she's like, yeah, no big deal. Sounds great. Just a heads up. They smell like alcohol after a day. (laughs) Um, So, um, I mean, just a little bit of like nerdy food science for any of you out there. Teff has naturally occurring yeast on it, which is helps with the fermentation when you make injera. So it's very similar to sourdough. So Mm -hmm. the yeast on the teff reacted with the sugar of dates, which is like the date, like the fruit. And so sugar and yeast creates alcohol or like it's a byproduct. And so I made alcoholic energy bites. So (laughs) that was how that happened. Chemistry lesson all in that too. (laughs) Yeah. You know, here I am. And this is funny because like I failed a lot of chemistry in university. So anyway, (laughs) I took the whole grain, uh, the whole teff grain, added it to this granola one day that I was making. And I really liked the flavor. It just had just something different about it. And so I took some to my sister and, um, her husband, my brother-in-law, and they ate a pound of this granola in two days, which is, I don't know for many of you out there, like a pound of granola is a lot. (laughs) Like that is like a cup is usually, I'm honestly, it's going to be like close to 10 cups of granola. Um, it's just like a lot of granola in two days. And so she was the first person to, make up a name for it. She said, well, this is Tef granola. Why don't you call it Tefola? And so I started selling it to her 
Mm-hmm. And from then I realized, you know what, this is it. And she encouraged me a bunch. She said, this is phenomenal granola. This is so much better than anything in the store. So I found a commercial kitchen and started getting into grocery stores. And that was just over four years ago. We just celebrated our fourth birthday. And I'm hey, a very happy like birthday. I thank you. I like love our birthday just because it means like we made it another year. <laughs> which, yeah. <laughs> for many, many days in 2020, I didn't know if that would happen. So not to get all dark on you. But anyway, so that's what Tefola is. We are at Tef Granola and just like you said in the intro, we, our values are around being bold and brave and really keeping authenticity and transparency and collaboration at the center of what we do while living in this bold and brave manner that for us personally has drastically improved my life and really made the world a better place. And so if we can encourage other people to live in the bold and brave way that you know resonates true for them then the world would be truly an amazing place not that it isn't already but um <laughs> anyway Preach. so Preach. that's what we're about no that's that's incredible and i actually found out about you my best friend lives out in ann arbor and he told me about you during the pandemic and i think that's around the time that you and i connected mm-hmm. and yeah. um, so he was all about it and he's like you have to hear about this place now i'm at, like i like i'm not from michigan at all but uh, for those that know me, you also know that like I'm diehard. Like I, I, I like that's my other vacation spot. So my best friend's been out there for like um, close to 15 years now. But he introduced me, and I was like, "Huh, this is something different." And you know, it's not he like he and I usually just like riff back and forth, like, "Oh, hey, did you try this? Hey, did you try this?" And like he and I are fierce proponents and supporters of small business, small local business, no matter where they are in the, in the uh, country or beyond. Um, Cause you, a lot of thought goes into it. A lot of passion goes into making sure that like your product and anyone, any small business owners product really gets the recognition and the um, praise that it so deserves. So like, it's just for what I can eat out of, Tafola, like I absolutely love it. And, but, you know, I think it's just really important to drive home, like what you said about like how you got behind it, like what goes into it, like in order for it to be successful, you do have to be bold. You do have to take that first step and you do have to be brave about it. Like there's always a risk. It's always 50, 50, but like, what's the bigger risk, not doing it at all, or at least trying. Right. Mm -hmm. For me and it's when I get questions kind of about this and like how I can do this, because I've been working with Tef since 24, since I was 24 mm-hmm. and just, I never really <laughs> thrived. We can say in a traditional work environment Yeah, because I'm just too, I'm too stubborn. I'm too pigheaded. I want to go after my own ideas and I don't want someone to tell me that they don't agree with me. And all of those things are exactly what you need as an entrepreneur who's building something from nothing. You have to have the most stubborn drive towards your dream. And I, I mean, I, I see where we're going so clearly, which is 
a really beautiful thing because it, now it's just, you know, figuring out the middle details right. of how to get there. And there's, there's risk, but as I said to a friend of mine, she's like, how do you, like, you're so courageous. And for me, it would be a bigger risk to walk away from this, not knowing what it could have been. Right. So that's to me, like regret would be the biggest risk of all. And I'm not willing to take that risk. Yeah. I think I, yeah, that, I think that resonates with a lot of people. And, you know, I think over the past couple of years, you've like, we've seen a lot of people like really go back to home base and like really go like find a blank slate, a blank canvas and start mm-hmm. and s- start anew. Yeah. And even revisit their old passions and figure out like, how can I um, put this, like bring this, reintroduce this back into my life while I'm doing whatever it is that I can't like, that I'm supposed to be doing, but with the stuff that I want to be doing. Yeah, exactly. And it's what's happening with this great resignation right now, um, or, you know, over the fall and still going on with all these people leaving their jobs, they're realizing they're not fulfilled. They Mm -hmm. aren't personally happy. It's not working with their personal life. And I think there's going to be a huge boom of people starting their own businesses, whether it's, you know, they are the sole employee and they're just freelancing or I just think there's going to be a huge boom of innovation and creativity and problem solving from this challenging time where exactly as you said people are reconsidering getting a ton of clarity around what they want what's important um, and really just taking realizing that the way things were isn't how they want them to be in the future Right. Right. And I think, yeah, a lot of people got like, if they, if they're not making move now, they've definitely gotten a taste of like what that, or even like just a a small glimpse, like just enough for them to be like, huh. Mm -hmm. Okay. And like really reevaluate. And I think I, I agree with you. I think in the next, I wouldn't be surprised, like mostly in the next year or two, we're going to see a lot of it. I think there's a lot of stuff going on behind the, behind the curtain, if you will. Yeah. And I think we're just going to see, like you said, a huge boom. And it really doesn't, it doesn't have to be a big fancy, you know, launch party. Like if anyone listening to this is thinking about starting their own thing, I started my company with $4,000 and the library computers Mm -hmm. and the library printers, which were 10 cents a page. Like I printed my first shipping labels for Etsy on library computers. And that like, it doesn't have to be super fancy. You just have to be able to solve a problem. And so it, you don't need a ton of money. There are so many books, incredible books that I read about starting with a very small amount of money, but figuring out what problem you're solving. And so a lot of times I find that social media really creates this like buzz and glamour around owning your own business. And I don't resonate with that at all because it's been a really big struggle for me, but the most rewarding thing by far that I'll ever do. So if you have started something and you're in the beginning stages where you're like, 
gee, I just feel like I don't even know what I'm doing everywhere I turn. I just am stuck with more question marks. That's exactly where you're supposed to be. And if you keep asking why you're going to figure out that at some point you're like, you're going to say, why does it have to be this way? And the answer is going to be, well, it's always been done that way. And that's where the real magic really starts to happen is when you say, well, I don't want it to be that way. And then you start to shift and change things. Like for us, um, this most, I guess the most, the best example of this, if I can speak clearly, Claire, (laughs) um, the best example of this is in our relatively new food freedom and anti-diet approach. And this is based on intuitive eating and what that means. If that's a whole bunch of Greek to you listeners, it's really our, what we believe it means is eat the foods that help you do the things you love. And so if you love going out to eat with your friends and having a glass of wine and deep dish pizza, oh my goodness, go like you do you. That sounds amazing. If you need green juice five days a week to keep up with your kids who are, you know, three kids between the ages of two and six, and you've got to run around after them, drink your green juice. Like it doesn't have to be about counting calories or eliminating food groups or anything. You, you fuel your body with what it needs to like do those things that help you live the most fulfilling life. And so that all of that said, a health food company doesn't normally take a stand on that kind of thing. You see a lot of companies with all the labels like keto or paleo or whole 30 or um, low carb or something, right. Or like protein packed or whatever it is, they're trying to um, really, and what I, you, you're going to get me started on this, Julia, but what I find is that that kind of messaging and that kind of marketing around food is really instilling fear in consumers. And they're like, if you don't eat perfectly keto for 30 days, then like you might die early and your kids will be left alone. Or like, you're going to get wrinkles. You're going to have like stretch marks and like, that's bad. Cause that means you're ugly. And like all these sorts of things, all this messaging is really damaging to your mental health. And so I found that there wasn't a community of like a health food company that was speaking to this. And personally, like Claire, I was looking for that, like that kind of brand to get behind and be like, Oh, finally, like a company that's not telling me that the only way to be healthy is eating their product. And that drives me up the wall when people are like, well, like to be healthy, you have to, you know, drink this really expensive green powder in your water every morning with Metamucil and like 18 different supplements. That's the way to be healthy. And I just fundamentally don't agree with that. And so I went out and created that. I'm starting to create that community because it doesn't exist. And so I really, that's one of our core pillars of our company is this food freedom, anti-diet approach. And it's a huge differentiator for us, especially in the younger age group of like millennials and Gen Z's. Those come (laughs) the generation after millennials or like younger than millennials. (laughs) Anyway, whatever it is, but you know what I mean? Like just really because that has happened in fashion, that inclusivity has happened in fashion. 
and, you know, has made really strong strides in fashion, but it hasn't happened in food. And there are so many eating disorders out there and just hard, (laughs) really difficult mental health battles that are going on because of how health food companies have spoken to consumers. And I really want to change that. So that's just one example of how, if you keep asking why you're going to get to a root cause and really find the way that you can differentiate yourself. I love that you said that. I actually had a guest on over the summer who has that same type of sentiment. And I'm a personal trainer as well, like with all the other things that I do, which is a lot, but that's another story for another time. Um, But with that said, like even my own, like just quick aside, like with my own, like um, feelings around food and like nutrition, Mm -hmm. like I'm primarily like dairy free and gluten free to limit inflammation, but it's not it's turned a corner in the sense that if I mistake, if I absentmindedly eat something with dairy, I'm not going to beat myself up over it. But even in terms of like the fitness, like move to move into function, eat to eat in order to get that fuel, mm-hmm. but don't limit yourself. And like, I'm, I'm really glad that you said that because I think that like eating and enjoying food is a social experience first of all but and with Tef and with your company like you're bringing that sense of enjoyment back like embrace it like enjoy it like there's in with the experimentation that you're doing with the many different flavors which we will get into in a minute because they are delicious but like I think it's it just really goes to show like Yes, sure. Eat healthy, but you can also enjoy it, like enjoy the chocolate that or the cocoa that comes with it. Enjoy it as this. Enjoy it and like re- like how you reframe it and how you really kind of really do reestablish that relationship behind like the site, the psychological piece of it and just the overall enjoyment. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And what I'm trying to become the brand that I wanted for years and years because, you know, I, I think I was even lucky in the way that I grew up that the first time I really noticed my weight was probably in high school, not necessarily middle school. So like, (laughs) and like, you know, high school was more than 10 years ago for me. And so for (laughs) a brand to like longer for me, (laughs) (laughs) but like, I just, can't believe that there is not a brand out there who's saying like a health food or any brand out there in the food world that isn't saying, Hey, your worth is not measured in the number of calories in this food item in the serving. It's not Mm -hmm. measured in the number of grams of protein that you have to eat every day and that kind of thing. And it's, it's just so frustrating to me that our society is raising generations of women and men who don't know that or don't fully understand that, you know, the nutrition facts are just nutrition facts. They are not a measure of anything else. And so what I, I have so many cool ideas around how to like let this play out. So we've started with, um, on the bottom of our packaging, we have, you are bold, bold and brave. Yeah. Um, and that just serves as a reminder. Like if like you, you, 
you are like by just saying those words, you are by showing up every morning you are. And even on the really terrible days, you made it through. And that's sometimes a really brave decision to make it through. But that's that's one thing. The other ideas that I have, and I have not cleared these with the FDA, but I want to put next to nutrition facts like the statements here do not measure how much joy you bring to your friends lives or they don't you know, count towards all the wonderful work that you do in your community and that kind of thing. And just really reinforce that we are so much more than what we eat. And I will be the first person to tell you our granola is not for everyone. Like (laughs) we celebrate grains. We are, we go hard into grains and some people don't, you know, their stomach doesn't like grains and that's fine. Like, Oh my goodness, that is fine. But I do not care. Go eat whatever you want. Like, I don't, I don't care what you eat, but we're a brand that is welcomes you without any judgment of what you eat, whether that's McDonald's at 10 30 in the morning and, or I don't know, 10 pounds of steak every week. Like there's absolutely no judgment and you eat the way to help you do. I keep saying this, but like eat to help you do the things you love. So anyway, I'm sorry, we could talk about food freedom forever. (laughs) I mean, keep calm and to follow on, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. No, I I think that it's, again, like in terms like when we were just discussing the great resignation as well, I feel like this is also taking, this is also starting to take a turn, like, like the tide is turning with this as well, because, and you said it goes back to like, it comes back to fashion, but people are like, you're starting like you're creating like and this is a phrase that I use all the time but that one little ripple does create like a wave so the little movement that you're making is like there could be a huge monstrous tidal mm-hmm. wave with mm-hmm. that and it takes a lot of a lot of ripples for that to happen in order for there to be that big one that like to really kind of o- overcome stuff so I think when you think about it, it might be a grain of sand and it might be one small ripple, but it's really honestly that first step in really breaking and demystifying that whole approach Mm -hmm. to what it is like that needs to be done. Yeah. And last thing I'll point out here is um, a fantastic way. Like if you're wondering why this hasn't been talked about before, just think about who is profiting from those damaging messages of girls, you're not skinny enough or men, you aren't strong enough and bulky enough. Like who's profiting from you believing that message. Right. And it's the diet companies. It is the protein powder companies, it's the gyms. And those are the ones who are promoting that message. So if if it makes you feel like shit, excuse my language. If it (laughs) makes you feel like garbage, um, Uh, we've had worse. Okay. Good. (laughs) Anyway, anyway. So, okay. We can move on to the next question. I'm sorry. It's, it's, (laughs) I get fired up about it. So, and I'm writing more blog posts about it and talking with uh, nutritionists and dietitians and all that kind of thing. So if people are interested, it is on our blog, which I'm sure we'll give you the website and stuff later. But anyway, on to the next question. I I think that's like, because I think like you are in the foods, like you're essentially in the food service and you're in the food industry 
and that's where it has to change. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah. that is a that is like honestly a big part of the iceberg right there. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. In providing in providing that is like being able to like really empower people to to be able to celebrate all that. Mm-hmm. But and can can we go back cuz you said that you lived in Canada for a little bit? Yes, I did. I am a dual citizen. So my okay. mom is Canadian. And so, um, I have Canadian citizenship. And so after university, um, I guess we can backtrack for a quick second. When I was 10, I read a book and really strongly identified with a character because he had such passion and, um, joy and dedication towards his career and his career happened to be a pediatric cardiologist. And so when I was 10, uh, you know, you're not very smart when you're 10. Okay. <laughs> I, and I definitely wasn't, but I thought to have that passion and drive in my life, which is what I wanted. I had to become a pediatric cardiologist. So for a decade, literally 10 years of my life, I said, I'm going to be a pediatric cardiologist. And all of my academic and career choices were focused on that. Mm-hmm. And then in university, I discovered in fact, I am not good at that. <laughs> and I was failing classes on academic probation, just really not doing well. And it hit me one day that if this was what I was meant to do, it wouldn't be so hard. And right. I didn't have to be pre-med if I didn't want to be pre-med. Right. And so that was like a fantastic realization because, you know, long time coming, but it was also really difficult because it really left my future totally open and making decisions with all of the different options. It's just really overwhelming. So I ended up going with the only job that offered me a position with AmeriCorps, which is the domestic version of the Peace Corps. And so I volunteered for the government for a year, which was, um, I, didn't go to a therapist, but I honest, I was probably depressed then. Um, it, it was just like, wasn't a very happy time of my life. And yeah. so for an absolute change, I was living in Mississippi for this year and I hate the heat. I hate cockroaches and I hated working for the government. <laughs> so I looked for something completely different and moved to Western Canada in a city called Edmonton in mm-hmm. Alberta. And so I lived with my aunt and uncle there who kind of helped me get back up on my feet. And I was working in retail when my parents came out to visit me. So I was, yeah, living in Canada for a year and kind of, I had, and I had plans to stay out there and, you know, climb the corporate ladder and possibly move back to Toronto. But when I, you know, the first couple of months out there, I actually, for like nine months out there, I was like, yeah, this is what I'm, I'm going to do. I'm going to climb the corporate ladder and I'm going to live in Canada. It's going to be great. I'm going to meet a Mountie. (laughs) And, um, I, I thought that's where I was going to go. And then one very significant impactful thing happened. Um, so when my parents came to visit, I requested a couple days off so we could, you know, be together and go ski in the Rocky Mountains. And they, after working my tail off for months, they said, you've only earned two days off. What? And 
I was floored. I like couldn't believe it. I, and in that exact moment, and then they made me like fill out a form and we had to, you know, juggle with my schedule and like duct tape a solution so I could get like a full week off of work or something. And it was only, you know, six days off in a row or something. Right. Yeah. And so that moment of, it was such a, in hindsight, beautiful thing, but I was furious at the time. I said, like, I'm never going to work in a job where I have to request days off or fill out a form and be told how much time off I've earned. Like, yeah. I know when I'm tired and I know when I need to take a break and how dare someone else tell me that. <laughs> so I really, really should have known then that, you know, I mean, there's just so many instances of my stubborn nature just coming out in full force. (laughs) um, Yeah. So my parents came to visit, they pitched the idea and I moved back, you know, two months later or something. So it hasn't been the smoothest ride, but it's been above and beyond the most fulfilling, rewarding journey I could ever take. Um, So yeah, I, it's that, that, yeah. And you know what? You and I both, it was, I think for the better part of the last 15 years for me, it was just like, all right, well, I don't want to be in education. I don't want to be a teacher. I'm not doing this. No way. No, how I need to figure some stuff out 15 years later, finishing grad school to get my master's as it for phys ed. So I'm like, all right, <laughs> you win. <laughs> but <Yep. laughs> in that, in the grand scheme of things, you have to, if you like, I don't know for you, but I know for me, like I have to do stuff to figure out that it's not for mm-hmm. me. And, you know, I worked, I worked a lot of different jobs. I worked at Trader Joe's. I worked for UPS. I worked at Gap. I worked, I did everything. I really did. So I think it was just, you have to, and I applaud a lot of people who can go right into a career like in medicine, nursing, law, anything education but it's like you really have to put the blinders on and listen to yourself and figure out like what it is that you want for you and Mm -hmm. you're a prime example of that in the sense of like wait and you looked took the blinders off so to speak and you're like wait this doesn't make any sense I worked all this time and this isn't working for me so what's the next thing to do and Mm -hmm. I think, unfortunately, I think a lot of the time, like that's really glamorized, like that whole hustle, like I'll work, 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 work. And then I'll relax later. Next thing you know, five years is gone. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, and that's huge in the, you know, the side hustle, even in the name yeah. itself, the side hustle, the, you know, part-time gig, the entrepreneurship, it's this, um, just the grind. And I I do want to like, be really clear though. I would not be where I am without working incredibly hard. And I have, exactly. you know, multiple days a week, I work more than 10 hours a day. Yeah. And, but my level of work is not the same as um, someone else's level of work. And I have very few obligations, whereas other people might have more obligations. And so every instance is very different. And yeah. I want to say above and beyond, like it takes work, no matter what you're doing, like it's going to be hard work, but yeah. I also don't want to, 
you know, encourage four hours of sleep, not eating, not drinking water, you know, like not taking a breath. Cause I've, I've done that I, yeah. and I burned out and it's, it's really hard to find that motivation. And what really sets you apart as a founder or as a business owner or just starting something when you are the sole person or whatever you want to call it is if you don't have that spark and that passion and that crazy drive and the absolute wild dreamer who, and you're the only one who can see the wild dream. If you can't help other people see where you're trying to go or, you know, get wrapped up in your story. If you can't tell your story in a really engaging way, because you're so exhausted, that's not doing your company any service. And so what helps me is that, you know, I have rules with myself or I've have, I'm working on my boundaries, but for me, it's, you know, I really don't like mornings. And so if I want to stay in bed until eight o'clock in the morning, I do that. And wild. No, I'm kidding. I know. Right. (laughs) And like some days I don't really start work until 10 and it doesn't, I don't give myself a hard time about it because I know that other days I work 17 hour days and it's just, it's, it's not a balance. I don't believe in the term balance. I believe in harmony. And to me, harmony is there are times in your life where your career and your work is going to take a bigger priority. And that's going to be, you know, the more time consuming part of your life at that phase. And there are other times when your personal life is going to require more of your attention and it's harmony and how they work together. There is no such thing as balance. And it's really unfair to even use the word balance because, you know, if you are on maternity leave, obviously you're not thinking about your career. And so that maternity leave, right. Like your maternity leave is your focus and, you know, work is taking a backseat. Whereas, you know, if you're preparing for a huge upcoming pitch, obviously you're going to be focusing a lot of attention on work and taking more meetings and working late and that kind of thing, working on the weekends and it's a harmony. And so, and I think you're into music or maybe this is someone else I'm thinking of. Anyway, the way I think about it is in music, like sometimes, you know, the violins are really carrying the melody and other times the horns are carrying the melody and it's really a a beautiful harmony and a mix of everything that makes it so beautiful. So it's not a balance. If every instrument was playing equally, it, it wouldn't, wouldn't sound, sound right. It wouldn't sound right. It wouldn't <laughs> sound right at all. <laughs> I think we've talked about that how many piece in a few of the Zoom meetings that we have. Mm-hmm. I know we have. Because yeah. that sounds not vaguely familiar. Like, but like, like that was, I was like, why did I hear this before? I'm like, oh, wait, right. I heard this before. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think anyone else talks about it in that way. They're just like, have boundaries. Like, don't check your email before bed. And Again, pardon my French, but fuck that. Like there's times in your life when you have to be on your phone. And especially for me, there have been times where I have to be available at every second of the day because of something that's going on. Right. And well, even with your partnership, yeah. various other companies, like in when yeah. you do collaborations, like if if there's no for in some cases, like if there's no communication or no clear communication, then nothing's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But also 
like trusting the fact that it that it will happen and that it's going to happen when everybody does their contributes and does their part. Um, right. And it, for mine, like with these partnerships that we're starting to get into, if I don't show up with, you know, these are much bigger companies than me. And so if I don't take the project 80% of the way there, it could flounder and, you know, fall by the wayside and people kind of stop thinking about it. But if I show up with 80% of the energy and I am pushing and really excited and sending emails and, you know, going the extra mile, that's when things really get done. And that's when people notice, oh, like Claire's incredibly dynamic about this project she really drove this project home and like that kind of thing and so yeah it's it's harmony and I'm I I feel like we've probably also talked about this before but I'm in a phase of my life where it's I'm single and I don't have kids my only obligation is my student loan payment and it's just I get to devote my entire life to something that I so truly love and adore and is incredibly fulfilling and challenging and it's a wonderful I'm the luckiest person in the world to be able to do this and I can't imagine even on the worst Tefola days like the worst days I can't imagine doing anything else right right and it's it, like that does shine through like when you post and like in the stories as well like, oh good <laughs> I try like, so hard <laughs> really and, Julia, honestly it's, it's so funny um and for those listening who are, are thinking about following me on Instagram, do I it, do, do it, one do take. First of all, for sure, do it. We're eat Tefola. But <laughs> I do all of my stories in one take. I do not, you know, redo them. And so I, <laughs> it's just so funny because like, I always like forget what I say. And then like, people will bring it up in conversation. Oh, your stories. Like you were talking about that you became a spin instructor so you could stop thinking about granola. And of course I've completely forgotten that I had, you know, said that. And I'm like, wow, I really got personal on that story. Well, anyway, that escalated so, quickly. <laughs> that escalated really quick. What else did I say? But um, yeah, so I do all my videos in one take just because number one, I don't have the time to sit there and worry whether my, you know, pimple doesn't, look good like oh my goodness I don't have time for that and number two that's not authentic to who I am and like what you see is what you get like I'm not for everyone I'm a lot of I'm a lot and so I'm not for everyone which is fine um I don't care but what you see is what you get and um I think people miss that um and I hate this word sometimes but I think people miss that authenticity of oh she's she's real like she is like she makes mistakes she fumbles she says um you know I'm not the perfect entrepreneur um far from it far from it like no I think and that's a really good point to bring up for anyone who's gonna be on uh in the future like I, I don't think there's any perfect equation to be a perfect entrepreneur solopreneur I think that like, and we've touched on this before, like even earlier and just in other conversation, like, do you want it? And we definitely touched on this earlier. Like, do you want it bad enough to be able to commit yourself to be able to do this? And like, that's what separates like entrepreneurs in whatever respective field that they're in. It would even, that would, it separates them from the rest. 
-hmm. and you know like how it's just like how badly do you want it like how like how like how driven are you to cry to bleed to sweat like to to really see this through and to make sure that it happens and that's carrying like going back to the point of like you're carrying this whole like engine so to speak this whole like thing 80 percent of the way to ensure that the baton is still firmly held on to by the other 20 percent because this is this is yours like they're picking it up but this this is your work this is your life work going into this and i love the way that you put that um yeah i really like the way that you put that and for anyone who is not super sure of what they want maybe you're not feeling super fulfilled or challenged or happy in your current role and just at an absolute loss or like that big open page just like I had in university one thing that really helps me and that I always ask other people when they ask me about this is if I woke you up at three o'clock in the morning out of a dead sleep and said hey you have to go do this thing right now and you also have to do it for free and what would that thing be right and if that thing is you know teaching kids to read then oh my goodness like what a beautiful thing and if that thing is I don't know carving a chess set (laughs) um, then okay like uh, all right okay like it doesn't matter what it is but it helps get you some direction of this is what I really care about and this is what I really want to do and this is what I'm willing to do instead of sleeping, which I think most people love sleeping, instead of sleeping and for free, what do I want to do? So it's finding ways, and this is where the fun creativity part comes in, is finding ways to turn that into a living. Yeah. Boom. Boom. Legit. Like, Like, no, I, like, I think that you brought up so many, like, little golden nuggets throughout all of this and I'm like oh cool like this is like and honestly it's kind of like a motivational speech (laughs) (laughs) thank you um but I think it's just like I think it just reaffirms like what needs to happen like what we're discussing entrepreneurs like what separates them from everybody else and like you said like waking them up like waking somebody up at like three o'clock in the morning saying okay you have to do this what is it like and really challenging the thought process like just like quick thinking quick on your feet I think that really some people have a really hard time with that because they've been away from it for so long which we also discussed earlier um but I want to segue a little bit more into the flavors (laughs) (laughs) Because you, and like, like kind of, I would say it was a little bit of an organic segue because it's all about experimentation, like what works, what doesn't. So how did you get in, like, and I don't know what you're at liberty to say in terms of partnerships with people with uh, the, some of the companies out your way, but would you be willing to share that or like your flavor mm-hmm. collaboration yeah. at all? Yeah. So the one that is, top of mind is our Zingerman's partnership. So this is with a quite a bit larger company that's been around for 40 plus years. 
and they are based out of Ann Arbor, Michigan, and just an absolutely beloved bakery, deli, and they've expanded into, you know, into dairy and coffee and event space and, you know, Korean restaurant and all sorts of like amazing different things. So they are incredibly well known for their artisanal taste and just, um, I call them masterful geniuses of flavor because they just know how to work with incredible ingredients to make delicious food. And so I approached them last year with an idea of you care about local grains and we are a local grain company. Why don't we collaborate on a flavor and co-develop this flavor together? Because, you know, I know granola and, you know, and, I know you, business. <laughs> and you are a larger business who could, yeah. you know, give my brand some legitimacy. And it was, it was kind it was pretty scary emailing them. Um, it wasn't a totally cold email. I had worked with them on something before, nowhere mm-hmm. near the size of this kind of project. But yeah. I went into it with such an alignment of, or like our, our brand values were so aligned and it just made perfect sense. It's just whether they would be willing to, you know, get on board. And what, what happened was, it, they obviously said yes, <laughs> um, but they wanted me to come up with a couple of flavors to see if they liked the pathway I was taking and then they would decide from there. And yeah. so for two weeks, I was in solid recipe development and I made some truly horrible, disgusting flavors. Um, we tried <laughs> oh. banana bread and I made banana bread granola and the banana chips almost broke people's teeth and it was so salty. I don't know where the salt came from, but it was so salty. (laughs) Um, We made an acai bowl, tafola. I did an almond butter espresso, like with cocoa. That one was so good. Um, We did, and what started out as orange pecan and cherry eventually became the cherry cacao granola that we settled on. So, yeah, so and good. this flavor, it took 23 tests to get to this flavor. And um, I wrote the final recipe. <laughs> this is so funny. I was exhausted from celebrating a friend's graduation. And I was on the plane, you know, coming back to Michigan. And I wrote the final recipe. And it, it was in such a recipe development phase that I knew right away that it was going to be like I I just I just knew that it was going to be good and you know that the balance was right and the texture was going to be right and um yeah that was that was it so I handed it over to my baking manager person and I said all right run this trial do one with buckwheat and one with millet both are um grains and pseudo grains Mm -hmm. and I took the two options over to Zingerman's and I said, these are the two options. Like they're the exact same recipe, but this one has buckwheat and this one has whole grain millet. And without trying them, he was like, and again, this is working with people who are really, um, they've won James Beard awards. Like these are not, you know, just a good bakery. These are award-winning chefs. And he said, which one do you like? I said, I love the one with buckwheat. I think it's got, you know, X, Y, Z reasons. 
like, and I gave him the exact reasons and he said, great, we'll go with that one. And so it wow. was, I mean, it was a real moment of like, it was six weeks of recipe, recipe development and going back and forth with them and them saying, no, it's not there yet. No, it's not there. Like push more, try this. Yeah. Um, what about this? And, um, it was a really, I really learned a lot, which was just, it was so, it was so much fun. It was so much fun. So I'm, I'm hoping I'm fairly certain there will be more flavor developments with them in the future, which is yeah. phenomenal. Um, but for now, yeah, Zingerman's is out. The Zingerman's flavor cherry cacao granola is made with Michigan Teff and Michigan grown cherries. Yep. And it is out okay. in the world and it is so good. It is so it, good it, and it's so low in sugar. So, and that's what really helps the flavor shine through is that we're so used to so much sweetness and sugar and not that sugar is bad. Like I put maple syrup in my granola, but <laughs> when you pull back on the sugar, you let other flavors come through more strongly. And so that's yeah. what really sets Tefola apart is that the max amount of sugar in a serving of our products is four grams. And when you have that low of sugar, you're letting the grains, the nuts, the seeds, um, fruit, like, or coconut and all these different things really shine through. So, um, yeah, that's what I think about flavor. (laughs) That one is, I told my mom that I was doing, um, in uh, a podcast with you an episode of like, Oh, Make sure you tell her that, that flavor is really good. I'm like, okay, I will. That's so sweet. She uses it in her in her breakfast in the mornings, and she's like, "This is this yes. a good one." And I'm like, "I know. Don't eat it all." <laughs> <laughs> well, it will be available online so soon, so soon. We are working on it. Um, yeah. Yes, so soon. Oh man, oh, I'm so excited for you. I told Thank my friend you, out there. Julia. Listen, I said, you have to go to Zingerman's. He said, why? I said, because the granola is there. He's like, I'll be right back. <laughs> oh, that's, <laughs> that's so amazing. And um, I haven't been there yet, but I, he was like, no, this place is, next time you come out, we'll have to go. I said, okay, cool. And um, it was always on the short list of places to go to for lunch and we never picked it. Mm-hmm. But now we have to. Now um, you've got to, because I know see my packaging there and you've, I've blasted <laughs> it all over social media enough. Like I, <laughs> y'all, I post pictures of this Zingerman store so much that my poor followers must be so tired of me. I, but... think, I think you probably have like sponsored sites now, like on your Instagram <laughs> feed, like, like the Zingerman sponsored, like, oh, I sh- yes, <laughs> I'm about there. I'm about there. That's for sure. <laughs> I get it online. I get, I think I, I get like, I think it's 50, 50 Massachusetts and like Michigan for like ad for targeted mm. ads. Yeah. That's funny. Which is fine. Like I'm fine with it. It's totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I think that's like now is Zingerman's like the one confirmed place that you have or is, is there other like, I'm not gonna delve too or like dig too much but are there other different ones on the horizon or are you just sticking with Zingerman's for now um well we're working on like w- we haven't had any confirmed yeses yet for future partnerships, but um, the cool thing about partnerships and the scary thing is that it takes a long time to build that relationship and work out yeah. details and 
sort of talk things through and have different ideas and find the right people to talk with and the decision makers. So um, can't share anything else, but we are, this is not the last time that you see a partnership like this with um, a product come from the kitchen of Tefola. Yes. Yay. (laughs) That's so great. Uh, So I'm going to, we're going to wind this down, um, Claire. Where can our trusted listeners find us and where can they order some yummy granola? Oh, great question. So our website is eattefola.com. So E-A-T-T-E-F-F-O-L-A and tefola rhymes with granola. And our Instagram is at eattefola and you can find us at that URL um, or with that username on Facebook as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and you can always email me on the contact form on the website. It is me. It's just me behind the scenes. So I have to manage a lot of different <laughs> methods of communication. So if you don't hear from me on one platform, jump over to another one. Um, and my email, um, I'll give it to you, Julia, so you can put it in the show notes or whatever. So if anybody has any questions, you are more than welcome to email me. I'm always happy to talk with other people who are looking to make the leap or just are really interested because I had a ton of help when I was first starting out. Mm-hmm. And so as much as I can, I try to pay that back. Awesome. Love or it. pay it forward, I guess. <laughs> well, you know what? You're doing what you have to do and you're killing it. And I got to tell you, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for being the first guest right out of the gate of 2022. Thank you. you. And friends, listeners, log on to those two things. Make sure you hit follow. Make sure you put your alerts so that you get the most up to date with Eat Tofola. And yeah, I hope you all have a great night. This is Julia from the Locally Sourced and we'll see you soon.